0: Welcome to the Warrior Mama podcast, as we learn how to apply God's Word to our lives in motherhood, finding in big and small ways that the truth of the gospel applies not just to our lives as moms, but also to our children's lives, so that as we stand anchored in Him, we mother confidently with our hearts at rest. I'm so glad you're joining me today at the kitchen table. Welcome back to The Kitchen Table. This week, we are stepping into a question that we kind of posed in last week's episode, which was, how do I know I'm doing this well, or how can I be good at being a mom? And we are going to take this again from this perspective, and we're going to break down this idea We're going to apply the gospel to it, and we're going to build it back up in truth. So here's the thought process that I believe most women, including me, when I talk with a lot of other moms, this is what I hear. How do I know if I'm a good enough mom? How do I know if I'm doing this well? How do I know what I should improve on? I'm really trying to fix this part of my motherhood. I'm really working to change this about myself. I really want to be different here. And that language, I really, I have had to caution myself about that language. You have heard me say over and over on this podcast that my bent, my natural bent in my flesh, the way I am in just me, I really want to do good. So that means I want the A on the test. I want to be in the winning group if it's some competition. I want to look good to anybody around me. I, I want to look like I've got my act together. There's a lot of drive in me personally for performance. So this question And this concept I have wrestled with for 25 years of being a mom. When Noah was born, within just a few weeks of him being born, I was firmly entrenched in the idea that I was not doing it right. He was a super hard baby. I've now had seven others and he was hard Like, he just was hard. It was hard to nurse him. It was hard to get the child to go to sleep. It was hard to get him to stay asleep. It was, he was fretful a lot. And, he you know, he just was very energetic, even from the moment he was born. And just, it was a lot. And so it felt like in those very, very early days, that I was messing up on every part of being a mom. Like, I didn't know how to get him to sleep. I didn't know how to get him to nurse. I didn't, I didn't think I had enough milk to give him. He seemed like he was always starving. He was, I couldn't, you know, he would always, he cried a lot. It was every place for a baby. I mean, there's only a certain number of things a baby does. And I just felt like I wasn't getting any of them. And so really quickly in there, in those middle-of-the-night feedings, what I heard and what I worried about and what I prayed about is, God, I'm not doing this well. I'm not good at this. I'm not getting the A. (laughs) That's what I felt like. And I don't know if any of you feel that way. And the truth is, is that feeling doesn't really go away. Finally, I did figure out how to get that baby to go to sleep. I did figure out how to nurse better. It was never easy with him. I did figure out what his different cries meant. I was able to help. And, you know, there were things that were unique to Noah that I figured out, right? Why? Because God helped every step of the way. But then there were other things that came up that I wasn't doing well at, you know, and I didn't know what the right thing was to do. So I felt like I was pretty sure I was going to make the wrong decision before I made the right decision. And that's how my brain began to think. And I don't know if anyone else struggles with that. And the truth is, you don't have to have a newborn to feel that way. I have children now who are much older than newborns. I still fight that thought that wants to attack me. Especially like... I think I am the most vulnerable to it at night as I'm getting in the bed and rewinding my day and replaying what happened in the day, like kind of watching those videos back ways I was maybe unkind or made a poor decision or inconsistent or, you know, whatever I've decided or just didn't know how to handle something. So I replay it. And then what I typically will do is there's rewriting that happens. And the rewriting often has to do with layering in how I messed it up, didn't do it right, should have done it better. And I'm most vulnerable to it at night. Now, some of my friends I've talked to, that's not when they're most vulnerable. And I do want to encourage you to think about where you are when ideas of discouragement and you know, oh, not doing this well. I'm not a good mom. When those thoughts begin to assail you, identify where those times are in your life. Because in order to do this work, we have to be aware of where the enemy wants to come at us. And when, you know, he's a student of us. He knows when we're most vulnerable. For some of my friends, they've said it's like when they're driving in the car. And so like their mind is a little bit in like, they're not really thinking, thinking, and that's when they start getting the thoughts of all the places they're messing up. Understand yourself and be thoughtful there. We are working on this over and resetting your mind in motherhood, understanding God's perspective for motherhood. This is exactly the conversation we're having, what you are learning, how to reset pathways that are in your mind, places where when that first thought comes in, you kind of trip down a, a whole long pathway of thought, this is key to understanding you, is understanding where are you most vulnerable, to know that that's then where you're going to hear these thoughts the most often. So this is the thought today. Why am I, I I need to be better. And what I want you to begin to understand, last week we talked about you are God's workmanship, he has designed you specifically he's created you he's created you spiritually and he's created you physically and he has specific plans for you and he has designed your family with your children specifically so that this question today becomes something we can answer from a gospel perspective do you have to be a good mom do you have to have it together And I'm going to tell you the short answer and then we're going to do a longer answer and we're going to dig it apart. The short answer is God is not measuring your performance and saying you're a good mom. It's not even in his language. It's not in his vocabulary. It is not what he is calling you to. The tension is and what we want to really discern is he is not calling you to be a good mom. He is calling you to be a surrendered mom. Now, the outgrowth of surrender to God are that you will begin to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit are Spirit-growing traits in your life. That is the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, and the self-control. Those are spirit-grown traits in your life because you are surrendered. So in John 15, Jesus begins to talk with us about what it means to be surrendered, what it means to allow him to be the source of our life. And this is a pretty, I mean, a lot of us are very familiar with this. So I'm going to read it to you. And I know it sounds familiar. And I want you, if you're just listening, I want you to decide later this week that you're going to go back to this passage. And you're going to take some time with Jesus and say, what does it look like for me to be surrendered? But this is the passage. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. And you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I want you to understand something. So often, we want to be good enough. We want to be loving and kind and patient and gentle and faithful. We want to have self-control. We want to be full of joy. We want those things. And now we live in a culture where they're almost displayed everywhere as if everybody possesses those things because they've captured them in a cute saying or in a picture. And so we believe, oh, they have all that. But I want you to stop for a minute and I want you to really understand this. I'm going to tell you a story. I have shared it before in here, and we go into detail about it in Resetting Your Mind and Motherhood, the course. So I again, I cannot say it enough. We're giving you snippets here of something we unpack over the course of a week there. Why? Because I want you so grounded in the truth that when these questions arise for your children, they're not hard for you to answer because you know them for yourself. But the question is, why am I not good? Or why am I struggling? Or why can why do I always mess this up? And here is a massive answer to that. Sometimes we try to make fruit ourselves because we know it's the right thing to do. We want to be loving, we want to be patient, so we summon it up and we kind of grit our teeth in that moment with that child that just instead we really want to lose our mind and scream, but we just bear down and we give some patience to them. Or we just, you know, walk and we, we have to just hold ourselves under deep control because we know we won't be gentle if it if we really just want to unleash but we won't we know that's wrong so we summon up our own fruit but that is short term flesh driven which means not Jesus driven fruit it doesn't last and i want you to understand with a little word picture so jesus in john 15 is saying hey you're a branch you need to be connected to me. When you're connected to me and I am connected to you, my life will flow through you and it will bear much fruit. So you need to stay connected to me. You need to abide. But sometimes you and I, that abiding, well, that takes time. It takes practice. And what we'll do instead is we will, instead of waiting for the fruit to grow, we will go and we will grab that fruit of patience, for instance. And we'll jam it on a stick. And then we'll grab another fruit of love and then joy and then peace and self-control. And we have all these random sticks that we've picked up and we've jammed a piece of fruit on the end of it. And we're trying to hold it all in place and juggle it all. And we're mildly stressed because we're having to juggle all this behavior of ourselves. And we're absolutely exhausted. But if I were to walk by you, let's pretend like it's me and I'm holding all these sticks of fruit. And you were to go by me pretty fast, like maybe at church. You just walk by me at church as I'm getting my kids tucked into nursery or what this or that. And you're like, gosh, Bethany is so patient with her kids. She's so kind. Because you're blowing by me really fast and you see the juggling I'm doing, but you interpret it as fruit because you kind of can see the fruit from a distance and you're moving fast. But I know that that fruit is not connected to anything. And the truth is what we know about fruit is if I were to jam apples on sticks, what would happen? Ultimately they would rot because they're not tapped into the source anymore. They've been plucked from the apple tree They're not getting any more nutrition. They're not getting anything that they need for life. They're rotting. They're slowly dying. And any fruit that I try and just jam onto sticks, meaning I try and summon up in my own performance, will ultimately die. It may last for a day. It may last for two days, but ultimately I'm going to wear out and one of my kids will do or say, or something will happen, or I'll just stub my toe. And I will drop a bunch of my sticks in that moment. And some days if I'm less tired than other days, less sleep deprived, I may be able to scramble and pick my sticks up pretty quick and I may have only shown just a little bit of rotten fruit. But some days I'm so sleep deprived from what's going on maybe with an infant or so troubled by something else happening or whatever else is going on, I just don't even have the energy to pick up my sticks that day. Why? Because it is not fruit that is growing out of a source. It is fruit that I've just randomly grabbed and stuck on sticks. This word picture is what inside of Resetting Your Mind in motherhood we really work on. I want you to begin identifying where you believe you have to jam fruit on sticks and how instead can you decide to surrender in that area to the one who promises to flow through you with luscious, great, amazingly beautiful, growing, life-giving fruit? You see, Galatians is not, it's, it's not by chance that Paul uses that same terminology. He, he knew what Jesus had said. So it's, it's why he says In Galatians 5, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things, there is no law, meaning, there is no measurement. When it is coming from the Holy Spirit, it's not like, Do you have enough? You have spirit derived self control, you have it fully. But oftentimes what happens is we demand of ourselves good deeds instead of hiding in the truth that Jesus died for me. Even when I was at my worst, he died for me, fully knowing me there. And his work is working in me to change me in this moment. He is at work convicting me of how I'm not exhibiting his fruit. And he is at work filling me with his fruit. But oftentimes what I will do is just demand of myself good deeds. So I say things like, I'm trying to fix that. I'm trying to do better there. I'm trying to improve in the way I respond to my kids in the afternoon. Now it is just a slight difference, right? But when our verbiage and we work on this in the course, when our verbiage is "I'm trying to do it," in essence, what you're saying is, "I'm trying to stick my fruit on sticks." But if we are going to take this question of how can I know I'm good at as being as their mom, how can I know I'm good at it? The truth of the gospel says you are good at being their mom because Jesus lives within you and he is pouring out his fruit through you. And it is exactly what they need. And your eyes need to stay locked on Jesus. But what happens very quickly and very easily is I can, and I think a lot of women can, get my eyes fixed instead on the problem in front of me and how to fix it on the embarrassment of the problem right in front of me and how to fix it, or on the belief that I am the problem so I need to fix myself. When my eyes need to be locked on Jesus, knowing he died for me, that there is this forgiveness that is vast and it is deep. I love the fact that that we can begin to understand that we have not been forgiven like on a one-to-one thing, like where it's a transaction. Like I give this and Jesus gives forgiveness. And I give this and Jesus gives forgiveness. When we understand that forgiveness is fully given, fully granted for everything, I can find true satisfaction and true rest. When I believe that my forgiveness is based on me even identifying it, even like that there's a transaction that must occur, then I'm, based, I'm on an up and down ride. So I'm up when I've done that transaction really well, and then I'm down, like I'm terrible at it when I, when I haven't. And that's all based on performance. You see, when I'm disconnected from Jesus when I'm not centered in him, when I'm not turned to him, eyes up, going, Jesus, I just want to live for you today. I just want to be surrendered to you. I want to have this ongoing conversation, communion with you today. And I want to hear Holy Spirit when I am not exhibiting kindness towards my child. Not from a place of me going, oh, well, I better just choose to be kind, but saying, God, show me what kindness looks like in this moment. And then doing that. When I begin to understand that my connection must be to a vine, then I can actually rest. Even when I mess it up. And in the course, we really talk about this idea of well, what happens when we do mess it up? What do we do? Because I'm going to mess it up before eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm going to keep messing it up all through a day. So then what do I do? How do I have this tension where I'm walking surrendered to him? This, number one, is hard when you do not understand the beauty of the gospel, that Jesus died for you fully knowing how much you are capable of ugly behavior we have to understand and sit in the Word and see that the Word says, even while you were dead in your trespasses, even when you were locked down in ugliness. You know, Titus 3 says it this way it says, it's probably my pa- favorite passage about the Gospel. It says, we were foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our day in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's what we're capable of. And Jesus knows that about you. And yet he died for you. How do I know this? Because Titus goes on to say, but, so that's you, that's me, all that, but, when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. You see, our, our salvation is not transactional. It is not based on you being a good mom, a good woman, a good anything. It's not, that is not his language with you. You've got to get anchored in this. Why? Why? Number one, because it will radically change your life and your heart and your whole outlook on your life. It will radically change the way you interact with your children. Because when we are raising kids, we see all of their misbehavior, don't we? We see all all of the ways they can be selfish and mean and disobedient and rude. They grow up a little more and they're disrespectful and cutting. They know how to hurt your heart. They grow up a little more. They rebel. I mean, like we see it all in our kids. But if we don't get this foundational gospel truth that your forgiveness, my forgiveness, our walk with Jesus is not based on works done by us in righteousness. That it is only a salvation because his goodness and loving kindness appeared in Jesus. That he, by his mercy, it says in Titus, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, he poured that out on us richly. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And then Titus goes, I mean, Paul says to Titus, this saying is trustworthy. Like trust it. Bank your life on this truth. You have been saved not because you do a good transaction with God. And you're a good enough mom or a good mom or the rest of the world thinks you're the best mom that's ever walked the face of the earth. You When you walk, surrender to Jesus, walk justified by his grace, heirs with the hope of eternal life, and he promises, he promises that his fruit will flow out of you for your children's sake, that you will give love and joy and peace and patience. And when you do not, and we talk about this in the course, and we cannot talk about it here right now because we just are running out of time today. When you don't and you mess it up that morning or that day, you will begin to understand the difference between the Holy Spirit's conviction because Titus says you have been washed by regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at at work in your life convicting you. That's way different than condemnation and shame. And a lot of us walk around in shame and condemnation and we were embarrassed, and if anybody knew this about us or what we did or what we did that day or a long time ago or even today, we walk around carrying that, and that is a burden the enemy puts on us to absolutely deny the gospel. But when we can stand in the gospel and we understand what conviction is versus condemnation, we can hear the difference and we know which one to listen to, then we can walk confidently that his fruit will flow out of us into our children's lives. And then when we talk to our kids about this, when we're talking to them about their selfishness or their rudeness or whatever's happening in their sinful world, we talk about it from this place of radical forgiveness. This place of grace and mercy that's not based on them suddenly performing better as a kid in your family unit but simply because we are mimicking Jesus to them. I want you to understand this is very, very important. And understanding the heart of God means that we have to work out these basic truths of the gospel and then build upon that foundation. We can't go deal with later on breaking down sibling rivalry, temper tantrums, rebellion, just even the apologetics of this world, if we are not solely founded on the truths of the gospel. My friend, if I can encourage you to do one thing, go and get in the course Resetting Your Mind in Motherhood. Even if this feels like a review, you need it. And, And you need to walk your kids through that course. Ultimately, it is chock full of scripture to anchor yourself in. You can do it with your friends. If you do it with two friends, we're giving it to you at a 25% discount. If you want to do it in a larger group of 10 or more, get back in touch with me. We have a church discount level because we're offering it to churches and churches are doing it with large groups of women. But I want you to understand this course is critical to just getting that good foundation so that you can walk confidently So that the enemy can't chip away at your foundation. And when the storms come, which they will, your foundation is solid. And you know it's on Jesus. I'm so glad you've been here today at the kitchen table. As always, reach out to me on Instagram, through my email. Grab me on the website. I can't wait to talk with you. Thanks for listening this week to the Warrior Mama podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support other warrior mamas, I'll tell you that one of the best ways that you can do is you can just share this podcast with your friends. You know, sometimes we love to talk about the things we like the most for our face, for our life, for our kids. Can I tell you that it would be a great blessing to begin to share with other moms the things that God is teaching you and the ways that He is growing you in Him. Our prayer over here at the Warrior Mama Podcast is that this podcast is something that does that for you in your life. So feel free to share it with your friends, post about it on social media, and of course, leave a rating and a review. I love seeing what God is doing in your lives. And I look forward to sitting with you at the kitchen table again next week.